Hi, this is Millie, and you're listening to the Escaping Narcissistic Parents podcast, where you'll find the validation and love you've been looking for. Welcome to my new listeners, and thanks to my loyal friends. Please follow me on Instagram at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers, all one word, and I will put all this in the show notes. Hello, my lovely listeners. I hope you're all doing well. And first things first, I want to apologize for my break here. Um, I have not been feeling well. But it is 1.50 a.m. where I am right now. And... I got a message from one of my faithful followers and, if I could call, friend, um, even though we've never seen each other. Um, I have forged friendships through Instagram and through my podcast. She sent me a Quora question which was, when your mother dies, is it really over? And immediately I thought, I have to do a podcast on this because I know that all of you have either wished your mother was dead or your narcissistic parent, but... You know, my page is called Escaping Narcissistic Mothers. My mother was a narcissist, narcissistic mother, right? (laughs) I know that there are narcissistic fathers. I'm not taking away from that. But so you wish your narcissist was dead. If it's a, a, a spouse or a romantic partner, I know you wish they were dead. I know that there's those moments when you just wish they got run over by a car. Anyway, I know that a lot of you have had that thought and maybe even felt guilty and tried to erase the thought from your head. Uh, First of all, I want to give you permission to think whatever you like to think without guilt. That's one thing I learned in the last four or five years is that I am allowed to think whatever the heck I want to and that it's not going to change an outcome. And yes, coincidences happen in life, right? You could think something negative of someone and then it has something bad happens to that person. You end up feeling bad. But I'm going to give you um, the truth that was a coincidence. It wasn't your fault. We cannot really wish something bad on someone and it happens. Um, In the last five or six years, I have felt that I had a curse, some sort of supernatural curse, that there was some sort of family legacy or that my family was cursed. And that I was living the curse because I felt like I couldn't get out of that dark cloud 
that was following me around. Um, I love the Gilmore Girls, and I've mentioned them before. And there's... I don't remember what exactly was happening, but it was an issue with Lorelai and Emily, Lorelai and her mother. And she puts it in a funny way. She says, she puts out her hand and goes, feel that? A drop from the cloud that's hanging over my head. And I always, I I laugh at that, but I also realize what she was, I mean, really realize what she meant. Sometimes we feel like we're walking with this cloud. The cloud is not external circumstances. The cloud is our own thinking, our own feelings about our circumstances, right? Our own why me, why was I chosen to be the scapegoat? Why was I chosen to be the one to see the dysfunction clearly? Because from our point of view, sometimes it seems easier if we weren't the one, right? If we weren't the one, if we were part of the dysfunction, our life would maybe be easier, Right, If we were one of those people who just didn't see the truth, followed along, held up the lies, held up the facade, went along with the rest of the family, it takes so much courage to see the truth. Forget about talking about the truth. Just to see the truth takes so much courage. Because I know that a lot of you are in your 40s and 50s and 60s. I'm 47 and I realized the dysfunction in my family when I was 42. And that was because someone took a, you know, Thor's hammer (laughs) and hit me across the head with it. That's how it felt. And that is the story of my brothers, which there's a podcast, if you're interested, called My Story. Um, And it tells you what happened. Right, I I was an only child. I found out I had three brothers and all of the stories that go with the three brothers because it's not as simple as, oh, shoot, you know, you have three brothers. Hooray. Let's celebrate with having three brothers. That's not that's not what happened. <laughs> I found out that, you know, I had been told lies since the day I was born. I was this, this is how I see it now. This is what I've come to see. There is no why me. It's it's just this is me. But it's not me. And and I know that doesn't make sense. I was born into that situation. So just being born, I was already in a screwed up situation. 
And you wonder, like, why couldn't I have been born to normal parents? I'm starting to wonder how many normal, quote-unquote, normal parents there are. I think that a lot of parents are more, less dysfunctional than yours and mine, right? Than our families in general. But how many were normal? I mean, you know, how many are 100% normal? Zero, right? But that's okay. As long as the intention behind the parent is your well-being, you to be happy, being supportive and loving. If they make a mistake, you're in there. Who the hell doesn't, you know? Um, I've come to realize that It's not why me. It's just what happened. I was just born into this mess. <laughs> right? It's I'm the object of two people having intercourse and one particular egg and one particular sperm uniting and the cells splitting. And that's how I came to exist. And that was me. We're all miracles. Because if you think about the amount of combinations, mostly with the sperm, because women, we have in one month, one or two viable eggs, right, to be that we can get impregnated by. But there's millions of sperm, right? So we're miracles. Just the fact that we exist is a gift that was given to us. Now, the fact that some of us are alive and we're put in a bad situation, that's just what happened. It's not why me anymore. In other words, that's what I'm trying to show you. You don't have to think that way. You don't have to think, why me? Why am I the one that had to be born into my situation, then realize my situation, which is the hardest part, in my opinion, and then be the person who tries to speak out about the situation, and that turns everything into living hell on earth, you know? I mean, that's what it is. That's when the narcissist does the smear campaigns. And if you go into contact, that's when the flying monkeys come out. And it feels like we don't have peace in our life. But peace comes with time. Peace comes with moments. And that, and I think that's the mistaken belief that we should have peace 100% of the time. Peace is something that we have to see. You know that expression, smelling the roses? That's exactly what peace is. It is something that you feel sometimes. And it's right now, I feel peaceful. I am alone. I'm recording this. 
there's my fan is on. I live in Florida. Don't hate me if you live in a cold climate. And I feel peace just being here and talking, talking to you, right? I feel peace. So peace is not something that comes and is there 100% of the time. And expecting that, regardless of your parental upbringing and the dysfunctional family, it's just not going to happen because things come up. And people with anxiety, and that's going to be a lot of you, we are always on edge waiting for our peace to be broken. And it inevitably will be broken. But it's so important to stay in the moment that you have. To recognize that you have the peace at that moment. And that that cloud and that bad luck that's over your head. Or that curse that you believe that you have. Or that you're stuck in your job or in in a relationship, or in your life in general, that that's not the case at all. What if your stuckness is part of your journey? I had no intentions of making this podcast so deep. But I'm starting to see things a little different, and I don't know what exactly triggered it, but I'm starting to see that it's it it's so is not about being upset all the time right now i want to go into what i started talking about cuz it relates right that's why i started talking about one thing and and i go into another and i let myself do that because i feel like the flow is much more normal like a conversation with you guys as opposed to you know, those really, you know, I, I have things written down. I have a general idea about what I want to talk about. And then I go. I talk to you, right? Like if I was talking to my friend on the phone, this is exactly how I would talk. Um, So going back to the whole death scenario <laughs> and wishing that your your narcissist was dead, which is completely normal and allowed I used to say, and I, there's proof because I have podcasts where I have said before my mom actually died because I didn't expect her to die for, I expected her to be around, I swear to God, for another 15, 20 years, I did, um, that my mother had a one-way ticket down to hell, you know. Um, I have to say that her dying has definitely made me believe that there's no such thing as ghosts. Because nothing. Um, I used to be very... I used to believe in that a lot. Like, people from the other side can communicate with you. Someone I cared a lot about, which I did a podcast on her. I'll have to do another one. Um, Lucy. She was like my grandmother growing up. Um, She... I used to believe that she was around me all the time. And I could feel her, and I would talk to her, and now, now I'm like, but my mother died, and she hasn't even attempted. I think, I think, I mean, I don't know what to think. I'll let you guys know if anything weird happens, but so far, nothing, like zero. And I'm not afraid at all. I'm, I'm totally not afraid, because I, there's a part of me that believes that when someone dies, they, they understand everything. 
Like, they are clear. All right, but what I wanted to get to is that I believe that there are two situations. There may be more, or there's variations, but there's two situations of when the parent dies, the narcissistic parent. Because I've had a lot of people, you know, comment on my Instagram page about the narcissistic parent is dead and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I feel so free. Um, but that's not exactly my experience. I'm talking here about my experience, but I doubt that if it's mine, it's mine alone, right? That's one thing I've learned in the last two and a half to three years that I've been podcasting and on Instagram and doing whatever is I've learned that I'm not alone, Right, and none of my experiences is, is alone. Is is just me. It's just that so many of us no were n- trained to normalize the dysfunction that we didn't realize that it was a dysfunction, and that there were so many of us out there that suffered the same kind of dysfunction. Okay, so. Here are my two situations. Situation one is someone who is either low contact or in contact, even if it's sporadic, but they're not complete. They're not completely no contact. That's situation one. And the narcissist dies. In that situation, I can totally see how it feels like a relief. On one hand, right? Because that person was still in the abuse. Regardless of how you treat the narcissist, they are always going to get something in. They're always going to say something. They're always going to talk about you behind your back. They're going to actively do things if you're in their life. So when they die, it's a relief. Like they're gone. They still. They're not going to talk about me anymore. Um, You know, I'm not going to see them anymore. They're not going to tell me my lipstick color is wrong or, you know, I'm eating too much or too little or whatever it is, right? There's, that can go on and on and on and on. I don't like the way you, you're wearing your clothing. I don't like your job. Uh, the triangulation when you're with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, you know, a significant other. I mean, all that will stop. So I can see the relief, right? The relief comes there. And then, of course, there's going to be a little bit more grieving because you were in their life. So you're going to feel the absence of the narcissist. And there is my situation, closer to my situation, which is you were no contact for years, right? You were no contact. In my case, it was four years. And I always say this jokingly, but I'm not really joking. I'm a little pissed that it was only four years. I I wanted to say, I wanted to have that kind of uh Metal for saying I was no contact for 10 years, you know. Um, But she died. 
and she had the nerve to die, and it was only four years later. Um, so that sucked for me <laughs> in that sense. Okay, it sucked that no contact ended when she died. I can't say I'm no contact when she's dead, right? It's obvious I'm no contact. So in my situation, when you are completely 100% no contact, that means you don't talk to your mother or anyone that talks to your mother. You have no, like, no, no contact with anybody, no social media accounts. You just don't. So you have removed yourself from her or him or whomever it is, the narcissist in your family, and their dysfunctional family went with them, which is a lot of you too. When the narcissist dies in that situation, we don't feel relief. And and I hate that. I mean, okay, so... It's not that you don't feel any relief because in the beginning you're like, oh my God, they're dead. They're dead. It's over, right? That's your first gut reaction is it's over. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. They're gone. It's over. It's, this nightmare is over. But that's not the case, you know, and, and I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news here. But it's not that simple because their legacy is still there. Nothing will change. They died. If anything, I went through a month period after my mother died that was very uncomfortable because, okay, so... The only people who called or texted or had any communication with me were my friends on Facebook. Because I have no family members on Facebook. I do, but they're on my dad's side that I just found out I had. So these are related to my brothers I didn't know I had. So a couple of them contacted me and friends. Um... But people that I knew through my mother that I grew up with, that these are people that, you know, I felt close to because I grew up with these people, didn't contact me to say I'm sorry because I wasn't worthy of grieving. Okay? And I'm going to be honest with you when my daughter, because even to that point, it was it was disgusting. My father didn't call me. He called my ex-husband. My ex-husband told my daughter, because my ex-husband's a, sorry, a weenie. There's no other way to put it. And my daughter, who is 19 and wasn't even here, had to call me to tell me my mother died. So that's how I found out. And the first thing that happened was I lost it. I lost, I lost it. I started to cry. Because I I can't tell you why. And I'm getting choked up now. I don't don't really understand why why I cried the way I did. And it was just that raw crying, sobbing. Like my mom is dead. My 
she's died. Oh my God. It was just a reaction, I think, more than anything else. Because the truth of the matter is, is I wasn't going to miss her because I hadn't talked to her in four years. But the hard part comes later. When you realize that nothing has changed because she died. Nothing. Her being alive in my life right now or dying is the same. I, in, in all, for all intents and purposes, she was dead already. Because I wasn't talking to her. There was no communication there. And no communication with the family. And no, none of that changed because she died. The legacy that she left behind of the lies she told about me and the relationships with the family members, which, of course, if they chose to believe her, but it's it's all a mix. It, it's, it's, I would have to get into the dysfunctional family dynamics in order to really make you understand that... It is what it is. There's several people in the family that are dysfunctional and they all cover up for each other. So that that wasn't going to change. But I turned into enemy number one when I called my mother out on her dysfunction and then stopped talking to her. So none of that is ever going to change. Not that I wanted to. I don't want to be a part of that family. Now, the only thing I can say is that she, I'm finally free from any obligation to any family members on her side of the family, which was a big deal to me because I used, she used to force me to call my aunt, who I haven't liked since I was a kid. I mean, you have to be really, 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 really dysfunctional for a little kid to, to not like you, you know, I mean, to, to see the dysfunction at that at a young age, right? Um, my aunt had a hierarchy with giving Christmas gifts, and I'm not even going to get into that. But, you know, I didn't like her since a very, very young age. And um, my mother used to make me call her on her birthday. Like, she would call me, call your aunt, call your aunt. Now, did I call every year? No, I didn't. I called... Once in a while, you know, if I felt like it. I really, I didn't like the conversations with my aunt. And they were really superficial, to be honest with you. Um, so, nothing changes for a person who's already no contact. And doing no contact the right way. If you want to learn how to do no contact the right way, I have a podcast, maybe three or four podcasts ago and it was all about no contact that's one of the good ones people love to to hear you know how to go no contact and then do it wrong anyway but that's okay you're allowed to make mistakes (laughs) i i haven't gotten to where i am um regardless of my mother's living status which is deceased um i haven't gotten here by not making mistakes i got here from making way too many mistakes like talking to a flying monkey du jour um but i think she will be out of my life i i just i hope she finds these podcasts one day there's a part of me that wants to just send it to her but it, it just could create so many issues but once again the flying monkey is my 
my mother's nephew, my cousin, who's 20 years older than me, his second wife, she's not related to me. And she wasn't married to him that long. And we really didn't know her that well. But somehow how she inserted herself into my life when I found out I had three brothers. And I'll leave it at that. Her first name starts with an M and ends with an N. And there's an AR in the middle. Um, I always do that just to... Make sure that if she ever hears it, she knows I'm talking about her. Um, and she's had surgery done. Uh, she's in her 50s, but she she kind of looks like she's in her 30s, but weird. I don't know. I'd compare her to Charlotte on uh, Sex and the City and just like that, the new the new series. That's kind of what she looks like, like bloated round face because you know all of the botox and all the other stuff she's done i don't even know anyway <laughs> um so there is there's those two places like if you're currently being abused if they die it's a relief if you are a caregiver that's a big one if you're a caregiver for a narcissistic parent because for some reason you fell into that role. First of all, my condolences. Second of all, that's a hard situation. Because you're going to feel great relief when they're gone. But you're also going to feel guilty. It's just part of it. And you're going to grieve them. And, you know, I guess when it all passes, you will see really how toxic it is. Or maybe you won't. You will. Anyone who's listening to me will. But yeah, I mean, in my case, losing my mother didn't mean in any way that I was free from anything. Nothing changed. So what happened? I realized I had to change. I had to look at my life in a different way from a different perspective. You know, look at the wonderful things I have that some people cannot accomplish, cannot get, cannot find. Maybe financially, I'm not in a great place, you know, because I have this autoimmune disorder, hard to prove. Um, Although they put thyroid issues on the list of social security disability things. Yay for me. Um, So... Um, God, I lost my train of thought. I, I, that happens all the time. And it's like, um, I really, really lost my train of thought. What the heck was I talking about? About my mother dying, not changing anything. Oh, that you have to really, really focus on those Things that you have in your life that you know are what bring you joy and happiness, okay? And in my life, I have a wonderful husband that if my mother hadn't pretty much forced me to come down to where I live now, I'm from New York City, Um, 17 years in Florida has not, I'm not, I have not adapted to being here. Um, 
I miss my my city, but if I hadn't come here, I wouldn't have met my husband. Um, I have a wonderful daughter, and I have a great relationship with her. And I'm sorry that she has issues on her end with her stepmom, and but now she can see it clearly because me and her dad don't really have to you know, talk about anything. So she can see the difference in the parenting of between me and him. Um, and I have, and I know this is silly, but my fur babies, I have three cats, and they're just the most wonderful animals, you know, and they can feel when you're not feeling well. But these are the things that you have to focus on. You have to focus on the good things that you have in your life and those moments of peace that you have. And don't think of your life as missing things. Think of your life of being full of things, right? It's looking at that glass half empty or half full. Think of your glasses half full. Okay, it's perspective. It it really is perspective. And I know it sounds like I'm just saying think positively, but I'm not. It really is focusing on those things, right? Life is not easy for anyone. Yes, some people have it a lot easier than we do. But so what? That's just a part of, of, of it, you know? And when we come through on the other side of this narcissistic upbringing and we realize it and we, we're healing constantly from it, we become other people. Okay, one of the first things that I mentioned this earlier was saying and thinking whatever I wanted without the guilt of saying or thinking something bad. If you're pissed at someone, you wish something bad on them, go right ahead and do it. What you think or say is not going to affect a person's outcome. Okay, you're not going to cause a car accident. You're not going to cause anything. I said so many times, when my mother dies, she has a ticket straight to hell hell in a handbasket straight down you know and guess what she died and I and I don't even know what I believe about that you know I hope that dying doesn't just mean it's over right I, I hope that I hope that when she crossed over that she just instantly saw her mistakes right and I really don't need any kind of apology because I'm not ready for that. I'm, I'm, you know, and of course we're talking spirituality here, but I don't want anything. Okay, I don't. I'm still angry. I'm still angry and resentful. But the times of peace, you have to make them happen. And that's by just not being around the toxicity and not feeling sorry for yourself.
I hope this was helpful, guys. I really, really do. And I hope that you walk away from this podcast thinking, she's right. I need to look at what's good in my life, not wonder why I was chosen, and just think that you're special because you broke the cycle. You broke it with your kids. And if you don't have kids, you still broke the cycle. Right? And and going out and speaking about it the way I'm doing this podcast is so important. Shine a light. Make your own Instagram page. Post information out there. We still need a lot of people doing this so that it's mainstream. All right, guys. I hope this was helpful. I love you very much. And until next time.